Thank you for listening to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Your hosts, C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong, navigate new ways to hire, develop, and retain talent, helping your team soar to higher performance. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Good managers improve numbers, but great managers improve people. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I am Audrey Strong of Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the president and CEO of Sales Fuel. Hi, Audrey. Hi. Hi, Lee. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to hear you again. Well, we are so pleased to have Michael Tracy of Sales Journey joining us. What a privilege. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Now, your company slogan says doubling sales in 90 days, and you go around the country coaching all kinds of clients, correct? That's correct. I do. So how'd you come up with the name and tell us about it? Well, I came up with sales journey because uh, sales destination didn't make a whole lot of sense considering nobody ever gets there. Hmm. Um, But also I was reading and I was inspired by a guy named Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you know him, but he wrote a book in the 50s called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he's a comparative mythologist and he just figured out that every story kind of all shares the same elements, the same path. And I started looking at this and researching it and I realized that, you know, that was also my story, um, how I got started in sales my career progression, kind of how it was structured. And then I started looking around and I figured out that it's also everybody else's story. And so I've adapted that kind of hero's journey and I've turned it into something that's kind of helps you map out your career as a sales professional or as an entrepreneur or a small business owner. And so that's, that's how I did it. So one of the first things I do is I try to identify where people are so that we can figure out where to go next. Some people are just starting out in sales. They've got a lot of self-limiting beliefs. And so we have to get over that, you know, build up their confidence, get rid of the fear of rejection. Some of them are looking for a mentor to give them a kick in the pants. And so if that's the case, what I try to do is figure out who's going to be their best mentor and who's going to help guide them across, you know, the threshold into like the world of sales. And then they have to go through their own tests and trials and find their allies and enemies and eventually find, you know, their irresistible challenge, right? So they can get their boon, which is essentially the, the big sale that they, are, they can leverage then for the rest of their careers. And then ultimately that boon expires. And so I, I find a lot of people that I, I coach and train are in that category where it's, mm. they've been doing the same thing that they've always been doing, but they're just not getting the same results. And so they actually have to go back and retool, and reskill and reeducate themselves, which is sometimes the harder part. So when you do that, Michael, uh, what, are, what are some sales tactics that... Uh, you know, you try to impart on them so they can move the needle immediately. And I was, first of all, I was so delighted that you came on, on the show today. Sales, obviously, uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. But I'm really curious, like, so when you, when you coach these folks, what can they do to move the needle right out of the get-go? That, that's a great question. So it's, it's a little bit different for everyone. But I do joke, because the people I work with, you know, sales professionals, small business owners, entrepreneurs, they all have the same strategy, right? Which is to get more clients, to make more sales. And so I don't talk about strategy. I don't teach strategy. I teach tactics. I teach the how-to. And so this is as simple as identifying a good lead source and then figuring out what sort of qualification criteria to put in place to move those leads from leads to prospects. And then I talk about how do you get a face-to-face appointment. Uh, so one of the things I focus on is the first, before we sell for our product or service, we have to sell for time. We actually are selling that first. We're selling ourselves our credibility, and then we're selling for time. And then we're selling for our product or service. And if you skip the time component, this is what happens with, especially with newer reps, they get a prospect on the phone and they do what 
what I call, you know, they're throwing up, throwing up on the customer, mm-hmm. right? They just, <laughs> they just talk, talk about all their features and benefits yeah. and, and the, the prospect just basically, you know, hangs up the phone or says not interested. And it's because they didn't get the time. They didn't sell for time. First. We refer to that as weeing all over yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the beginning of the process. And then I have, I have other tactics for prospecting, for qualifying, for building trust and rapport, you know, for presentations. I mean, sales has changed a lot in the mm-hmm. last 20 years. And so I, I really go into depth and, and teach people the kind of the history of sales, where we are, where we were in like the eighties, for example, versus where we are now and, and how the skills that were really prevalent in the eighties for sales, like the ABCs, the always be closing don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I usually find that when, when salespeople have trouble closing, it's because they did a really lousy job in the discovery process. Because those are the things, the places where you learn. People say, oh, find the pain. And it's like, I'm not totally a, a big believer solely in that. Find the need, find the opportunity, find the aspirations. But you don't do that unless you understand the business and you take time up front in the discovery process. And that's really where you have the leverage in a sales situation. And it's also your competitive edge against competitors, I believe. So talk to me about uh, some of your thoughts on discovery. So I, I, discovery is is very valuable. But before I answer that question, I, I kind of like to give you guys a, a quick history lesson because I find that this really helps people put things in perspective. I'll take so, notes. Love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in 1985, let's just, I mean, approximately here, uh, was the the king of you know transactional sales. So this is like the ABCs, the always be closing. Yeah. And that was because if you were a salesperson back in the 80s, you know, you had the information. You had you had the technical specifications, the installation, the delivery, the implementation. I mean, people had to call you and ask these questions. And if they were calling you to ask questions, they were demonstrating intent. And so you could always be closing, Mm -hmm. right? So let's flash forward 10 years. It's like 1985 now. Well, well, what's changed? Well, the internet, right? So what did the internet do primarily? Is it democratized information, right? Anybody with a computer could type in a question and get the answer to that question. And so the sales profession had to evolve a little bit. And that's when there was this highlight on solution selling or consult consultative selling, where you ask lots of questions in the discovery, you glean these insights, and then you bake those, those pain points and all those things that you discovered into your presentation. So you just wow the customer, the customer sits back and goes, this is perfect. I'll take it. But now around 2005, things changed a little bit more. And what changed again was that the barriers to entry to start new companies hmm. have, have lowered dramatically, yes. right? So Amazon, Google, they, they all make it very, very easy for anybody with a computer to spin up and start up a great company and use technology that wasn't available to them 10, 15 years ago. And so you have all these different companies now serving all these niche industries and marketplaces. And so sales has to evolve again. And so this is what we call you know, education-based or insight selling. And so this mm-hmm. is when you start the sales conversation instead of with, uh, you know, a forty-five minute interview where you're asking questions, which is still appropriate for a lot of sales situations. Now you can bake in a five, ten, or fifteen-minute lesson into the beginning of that presentation and really blow your customers' mind. And when you blow your customers' minds, you empower them, you educate them, and you motivate them. And if that lesson that you delivered points back to the key benefits of your product or service, mm-hmm. you can really get a customer for, for life. But even, even in that situation, if you have no insights, good luck doing that, right? You can't do insight selling if you don't have insights. And that's the reason why sales have, has gotten a little bit harder too. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do have to invest a little bit more time in educating yourself. You do have to be an expert to a large mm-hmm. extent in your field of sales. One of the things that Lee talks a lot about though, and this is part of what you do, Michael, is 
you're saying, okay, you have to continually evolve and learn new sales tactics. So let's bring Michael Tracy in and he'll, you know, re reboot us, you know, as a team. But how do they get out of that? Since we're called Manage Smarter, how as a sales leader of my team, do I feel like I have enough time to actually do that when we're all running hard trying to make goal? You know, people say, I know I should be doing this, but I don't have time. Are you talking about sales training specifically? Like, how Yeah, sales training and changing your tactics and re-educating the staff so that you're in the swim along with what currently works. Because like you said, you get in a rut and then things don't work anymore. That's true. But you don't have time. That's true. Every industry is a little bit different. And so usually what I advocate is that we identify one, one thing, one idea, like one small mm -hmm. incremental step. And we implement and we see if that changes the key metrics. And then, I mean, if you want to take it to a step further, you have to figure out, well, what KPIs are they actually measuring? You know, what, right, what, right, right. what and, and are they measuring the right things? So a lot of times you'll find that people aren't even measuring the right, their right key performance indicator, and they have to change their perspective a little bit. And then you can start tweaking it. Maybe it's the qualification criteria needs a small tweak. Maybe the, the, the lesson needs to, needs to be bigger, right? Or more impactful, mm -hmm. or maybe the industry has changed. Maybe that lesson you've always been teaching the one that's really kind of differentiated you as in your sales process is now common knowledge. And so it's not really surprising anyone anymore. It's not an insight. Just, it's just, it's freely out there. Yeah. So what, what is the most common metric that, that you find that the sales staffs that you train and coach are fail to measure, but they really should measure? Oh, that's, that's an excellent question. Uh, I don't think there's just one. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, really tracking activity, you know, tr tracking more activity in the beginning. And then until you figure out what level of activity you need for a certain specific thing, and then focus all your attention on that. So I, I know that there's some or sales organizations that don't even count outbound calls. Uh, what they count are, you know, just face to face meetings. Mm. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how many calls your, your emails you're sending. As long as you're getting, you know, two face-to-face -face meetings per day, then you're, you're hitting that goal. So that takes the onus off the salesperson to just hit outbound call numbers and really allows them to be creative about how they're actually getting those appointments. And how do you feel like that, that translates to having a meeting, say, online through video, kind of like what we're doing right now for this interview? Um, I mean, that, you're still having a conversation with, with the prospect or, or, the, or the client. Does that count the same in, in your book? I think more and more it absolutely is. I think the the millennial generation is much more accustomed to using virtual tools like Zoom or GoToMeeting, and and they count that as face to face interaction. I think you know, especially as the millennials you know permeate the business world and, and the sales profession and, and and the management profession. Now they're becoming all the you know the business owners and managers and CEOs. I think we're going to find that the virtualization of sales in this respect will be much more prevalent and accepted. I am a little old school. I do believe that sitting down with somebody face to face and belly to belly, eye to eye, shaking their hand mm -hmm. just sure. is still going to be the best way to build positive rapport and regard. But with the virtual tools that we have, there's no reason not to use them. Speaking of millennials, let's talk flat hierarchies. <laughs> uh, you're a big fan of that. And Lee and I were actually having a bit of a debate before you came into the Zoom room mm -hmm. over this. Um, I am kind of a fan of it. And he is, has an, another take on it. Why do you like it, Michael? And then we'll duke it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's ding, 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 let's, ding. Let's do it. Okay. So I, 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 for especially for millennials, they want to feel like they're a part of the overall mission and the purpose of the company. And in order to do that, there has to be a sense that they can contribute to that 
that goal and objective. And also they have to feel like they get to know the information. There's a certain level of transparency in the organization. That's why I advocate for, for flat, flat organizations. I've had, I've had an interesting experience. I've, I've worked for two software startups and uh, one of them was acquired by a huge national bank and they made the founding team sign restrictive covenants. And so we did, and we were assimilated into this giant, very bureaucratic mm. bank. I'm sorry. And uh, no, it, it was, it was a very, it was a very educational yeah, experience. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it made me realize that, you know, I actually, I just prefer smaller organizations because of the, the flat nature of it. You walked into the office and every day you said, um, what needs to be done today? And I'm going to do it, right? What problems need to be solved? And I'm going to do that. I didn't go and say, oh, look, I see all these problems, but let me go back to my desk and check my job description real quick. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's, there's just a little bit more dynamism in small organizations, but I, I'm, I'm happy to hear another perspective. I was going to say the reason I'm a fan of it is that um, I'm not a fan of serial delegators or people who are title obsessed. And I find that in terms of managing smarter, um, that those seem to cause a little bit of drama sometimes among staff and all that. And I don't know, I came out of the newsroom, so maybe I'm just weird. Well, we all know I'm weird. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, that's kind of why I like it. But Lee has a good point in terms of advancement. Yeah, millennials also though really want to be developed professionally, which you can do in a, in a flat world. And they want it now. But that's the thing, they want to advance. <laughs> and so the thing is, is so it, in a smaller company, let's say 10 people or less or whatever, I advocate flat is the way to go. But once you get beyond that point uh, and, and you want to have millennials thrive in your company, they're going to want advancement and, and they want to feel like they're, that they're moving up and they're achieving success and that sort of thing. So, you know, for me, I actually had gone the other direction, actually added another layer just so that we had uh, places for millennials who had been in the same job here for five years or so that are getting a little antsy, you know, that, that actually have something to aspire to a different role with, with with more perks and more responsibilities and so forth and so on okay yeah but i'm with audrey there too it's like the people who are obsessed with their personal brand or their brand image and what their title is on their card and everything like that that's suggests something you know with that person i don't think that actually serves the needs of the uh, organization but uh, just having that extra layer there for the yeah, something to aspire to grow to and keep their eye on it and when they achieve it then they're looking at the next thing up and so that's the kind of thing. It's like if you, if you flatten the ladder, uh, then you, uh, I think you lose the desire then to, uh, to climb that next rung. Yeah, you know, I, 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 that makes a lot of sense. I, I, it's like, like almost like a virtual hierarchy. You, you want to give them the next, the next step and the next title. The, some of the organizations I've worked with, they say, you know, that you, you get there, they say, here's kind of what we need. Here's your job description. What would you like your title to be? Right. Mm -hmm. And they're, mm -hmm. and they can pick their title. And so, you get you get past that the desire for a grandiose title. You can be anything you want. It's just as long as, as long as you take on these responsibilities yeah. and, and do your job. Lee, I'd like to be senior vice president of underwater basket weaving, please. Give <laughs> me some new yeah. business cards. Get on that. Yeah, there's a college course <laughs> yeah. for that. I think all the basketball <laughs> players in college are in that. So, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Basketball players, former basketball oh, players. No. I'm just kidding. Yeah, don't no, uh, don't tweet at them. <laughs> I know exactly. Well, go go ahead. I can take it. But uh, you know, you make. I've heard you make a really good point, Michael, about uh, the, you know the Gen Y and Gen Z folks, uh, particularly when it comes to feedback. And it's like uh, I'd like you expound on that a little bit for the Match Smarter listeners. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about 
uh, the Gen Y, Gen Z, you know, how they've grown up with social media, you're talking about instant feedback. You know, they, they basically grow up creating feedback loops. They post a picture, an achievement, you know, quote, whatever it happens to be on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and they get, and they get feedback. They get likes, comments, followers, fans, friends, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and they're used to getting that instant feedback. It's something that they crave. And so when they join and they, you know, finally join the workforce and they join a company and they're given a job description and they go out and do things and they maybe get like a little bit of results and nobody says anything about it. It can be, uh, it could be almost like a, you know, hearing silence, you know, mm-hmm. being in a, a quiet room and they don't, they don't know whether or not they should keep moving forward in that direction or keep doing what they're doing, or maybe they're not doing enough or do they, they don't like me anymore. You know? <laughs> so it's, I think having that, having a lot of feedback built in, especially with, uh, especially with new hires fresh out of college is really important mm-hmm. uh, because you'll be expecting it. It's, it's how the, it's how their whole worldview has been created. Sure. So tell me um, a little bit for our listeners who want to get in touch with you or want you to come in for sales journey. What's your dance card look like for 2018? Do you go to them? Do they come to you? How does it all work? Yeah, so I, I, I have three boxes, right? I have an online course that I'm launching in a couple of weeks, uh, which you know I've got a lot of requests to do because it's a lower price point than actually coming to one of my live events which I do once a month. Okay. And then I do, uh, you know, corporate in-person training. Um, I also do speaking engagements and I've got probably 15 or 16 of those booked this year already. And so that's, that's, that's the three buckets. I do, you know, sales training, speaking, and I have an online course and I'll be growing a community this year. Fantastic. And, and you know, uh, you know quite a bit about the, the, the speaking engagement business because you have a relative who was relatively successful in that, in that line of work. Right. I do. I have, <laughs> I have, uh, I have somebody who's mentoring me in, in that, in that direction. Um, my father is Brian Tracy, which I'm sure some of you have heard of. And he's actually w- w- was the person who encouraged me to get into sales um, almost 13 years ago. He said, Michael, cause I was going to go into financial services and it's an interesting story. I went to a bunch of different banks, <laughs> surprisingly, <laughs> and uh, they gave me the same piece of paper. It was a piece of paper with a hundred blank lines. And they said, Michael, would you uh, write down names and phone numbers for everybody that you know with money? Because you know, when you come to work here, you're just going to sit in a cubicle and you're going to call all these people and ask them for money. And you know, I got home and I started writing my list and I think I got maybe four or five people in. I said, this does not sound fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went, I went to to my dad. And I said, Hey dad, what do you think I should do? And he said, Michael, um, he's all get a job where you're belly to belly, face to face and eye to eye with as many people as possible. He's like, in fact, you should get into sales. And I said, dad, I'm not going to go into sales. You know, I went, I went, I went to college, you know, and, <laughs> oh, man. and I realized, you know, it's funny. It's I, you know, I realized something and as you get older, you know, you're, you get wiser. Right. And so I didn't know this then, but when you're talking to somebody who's old and wise, they don't necessarily explain why they give advice. Mm. You know, they just give you the advice and it's a kind of a take it or leave it. And so I had to humble myself to just take his advice. And so I took a job as a door to door salesperson. I started to throw myself in and, you know, probably in the first, first 18 months, I knocked on about 20,000 doors and I got rejected almost 20,000 wow. times. I built a sales team. We oversold a market, uh, got promoted moved to the Inland Empire. So uh, and it was a it was a very formative experience, and what was great about it is it totally desensitized me to the fear of rejection, which mm-hmm. which I now understand is a huge benefit, especially in in just in business in general. I mean, it's great in sales, but 
if you're, if you have a goal and you need to go pursue it, the thing that holds you back is usually, you know, your fear of rejection, your fear mm-hmm. of not being accepted or, or fear of failure. And so if you have none of those things, it's, it's much easier to make progress. Yeah. I, I, I've interviewed both of you now and I have to say that, uh, uh, you're both really smart and you, and you cut from the same cloth or whatever, but you're your own man. It's like, I mean, you are, you have some different takes on some things that, uh, I find, uh, really intriguing and, you know, and also in, in keeping with the times and, and, and folk, uh, future focus. So I commend you for that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think we have a, com- we have a very complimentary relationship. You know, when we get together, I'm always, I'm always talking to him about, you know, him, uh, Hey dad, you know, in sales today, it works like this. And then he goes, well, Michael, and you know, in sales, when I got into sales, it worked like that, you know? And I'm saying, well, well, dad, when, well, today it works a little bit differently. It was like, well, when I, when I got into sales, it worked, you know, and so we go back and forth. We had all to the work, time. walk 15 miles to the prospect. It's through yeah. snow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, boy, you know, uphill, uphill, both ways. Uphill, I forgot uphill, yeah. Bare feet. Yeah. Bare feet. Yeah. So, hey, Michael, my last question for you today is, is like, if you could give one piece of advice then to sales managers who are managing salespeople, what's one piece of advice you could give them or something you can't see that, that, that these folks are doing wrong over and over again? I think the best advice, the best advice I ever, ever got and I ever took was um, inspect what you expect, right? And really spend time and mentor each person individually for their own skills and weaknesses. I, I, I find that uh, sales managers like to do it all at once, but it, it's really important to take time to do one-on-ones with each individual sales rep, discuss their challenges, you know, what, what their performance blocks are and figure out how to relieve them and really empower them to you know, be the, as productive as possible. So I, I think the more you spend time with people, the more they know they care, the more they'll try to give back and make you happy. Amen to that. That's great. Well, the website for Michael is salesjourney.com. You are also the co-author of a book called Unlimited Sales Success. Is that on Amazon? I can go get that. It is. It is on Amazon. Please. And where else can people find you? Give you your uh, Twitter and your LinkedIn. Go ahead and rattle that off. So uh, any listeners that want to get do so. Twitter is Michael at Michael Tracy. Pretty simple. And LinkedIn is at Michael Tracy 67. Perfect. We are so pleased that you could join us today. Really appreciate it, Michael. This has been fun. That was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.